Okay. Everyone here? I think we'd better start on time. I know there are going to be people who will be coming in over the next five, ten minutes because they've been eating their lunch and uh, getting kids looked after, dropping off children to the Peter Rabbit film, which was very helpfully put underneath the notice of this, this seminar. Um, I'm not going to do a lot of introductions to start with because I'll introduce um, the other guys who are involved in this seminar as we go through. Um, there are three couples, as you might have read in the notes. Um, my name is Robin, um, and I'm married to Anna here, who you'll be hearing from uh, later. We've both been part of what is now known as the Welcome Church, formerly the Coin Church uh, in Woking, for a long, long time. Anna for, oh goodness me, 50 years. It's amazing, isn't it? And, um, and uh, me from sort of shortly after I became a Christian in my late teens. So we've been there for a while, and the other two couples are from there as well. What, what we're going to be doing, doing today um, is a mixture of stuff, trying to keep you nice and awake, because I all know you've had lunch, and what tends to happen in the afternoon is that people start to snooze. That's right, isn't it? And I actually learned something quite um, interesting and informative about this um, a few years back, um, that um, apparently the organ in the body, um, I think it takes the most blood in the body, is the brain. Okay, But what happens when you have your lunch is that all the blood up here, there's always something a lot more interesting going on down there, and it all dashes to your stomach, and so your brain goes to sleep. So when you nod off, it's not because I'm boring, but it's, um, it's biology. Okay, so we're going to do a set of stories today. Um, it's going to be interspersed with some um, bit of Bible teaching, um, mini teachings, uh, reflections from, from me. And uh, there's going to be a chance for you as well um, to spend some time um, doing stuff together. Now, can, can I just, uh, how many of you here have come without your partner, husband and wife? Are there any? So, do you want, do you want to just stand up? Not, not, not to shame you. Just, just so you can clock the other people who are around, okay, who are, because when we do the exercises and things, you'll be doing it with, um, with another person. So if your husband or wife isn't here, just find someone around you who hasn't got a husband or wife with them and just pair up with them. Yeah, does that make sense? So to practice doing that, we're going to do a little icebreaker to start with. And uh, on your chairs, who's, who's eaten their Freddo? <laughs> Do you know that was a very important part of an illustration that we were going to use? No, it wasn't really. <laughs> wasn't really. Everyone loves a Freddo, isn't that right? Um, <laughs> so on your um, chair will be a sheet that you've got, not the little card with the um, artwork on, but the sheet which has got um, 1 Corinthians 13 on it. And um, what I'd like you to do with this, you can see there are two versions. There's the proper version that Paul wrote, uh, love is patient, love is kind, etc. Then there's a sort of, with apologies to Paul, which is done in the first person. This is something I learned actually from a book by Max Licado some time ago, where he substituted Jesus 
into there. So Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind. He was asking the question, what is Jesus like? And it's a really great description of Jesus. But it should also be a really great description of us as, um, as Christians, trying to follow uh, God and establish his, his, his kingdom. But for a bit of fun, I'd like husbands and wives, and if you haven't brought the others, find so- someone else to do it, to actually read that out to each other. I suppose it's a special prize for anyone who gets further than three without bursting out la- laughing. But, <laughs> but please, please start with um, with that, and just you can just stand up, you can sit down and say it, say it to each other. But I am patient, I am kind. So do it in turn to each other. Yes, it's just the second version you should be reading to each other. The unofficial version. Okay, how's that going? How's that going? There was a little bit of laughter and smiling. We might, we might come back to that a bit later on, if we get time towards the end. Okay, so how does this seminar... I just want, I'll say one thing i say, this, this is quite important. For people who are coming in um, a bit later um, and um, have they find that there's no chocolate on their chairs and are feeling very hard done by. Um, our lovely steward has got some spare chocolate and some cards and things, so you can grab some from him, but not if you've already got one. Yeah, okay, you've got one, that's good. Okay, so how does this seminar on marriage fit in with the theme of West Point for this year, uh, which is about the kingdom of God? Uh, the, the original... A title before we came up with um, "Is Love Really All You Need?" Um, was down as world-changing marriages, and we sort of we felt a bit that was a bit awe-inspiring. That was a bit um, a bit daunting, I think. Um, and when we talk about the kingdom of God, that can often feel something's big, something beyond us, something which is somehow out of reach. And I think a large part of this whole four days is around sort of bringing the kingdom of God into our you know, understanding that this is our everyday lives. Um, so what did Jesus have to say about uh, the kingdom? I must say I was a bit nervous this morning when it said that uh, Dave Devonish was going to preach um, from some parables of Jesus about the kingdom of God. Thankfully, he didn't preach on the one I'm going to just talk about now, so I can't be accused of any heresy through, through comparison. But th- this is what Jesus said. He told them another parable. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet it grows, and it's the largest of garden plants, and becomes a tree, so that the birds birds come and perch in its branches. And he told him still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour. That's quite a bit of flour, isn't it? Until it worked all through the dough. Now, I find these words of Jesus a real encouragement to me because the kingdom of God isn't about a massive tree that suddenly appears. It's not about a whole load of flour and dough in which the yeast is worked into. It's suddenly risen and ready to bake. The kingdom of God is about small, lots of small steps. Lots of small events, happenings in our lives. Um, Things that don't just add together, but multiply together to build something which is huge. Something which is God-made. Something which glorifies him. Um, Something which is his will and purpose, the establishment of uh, his kingdom. So, from small beginnings, little by little, our marriages can have a huge impact. Just think of the impact on our children, for those who are married here, have children, as they observe the way that we live together as husband and wife, as mum and dad, from day to day. Don't discount the impact that you have on your friends and uh, family and people who come into contact with you from day to day. Just seeing some simple things being worked out in your marriages. And... um, Don't forget about each other as well and the huge impact you will have on your wife or husband in their growth and in their relationship with God as together you're building part of his kingdom. And the truth is that our marriages matter. They really matter. Um, We shouldn't write off the small and the gradual. Every day, every little thing we do is part of his wonderful will and purpose as he brings unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. So what we'll be sharing today won't necessarily be earth-shattering, and you may have heard some of it, or all of it even, uh, before. Um, But it's going to be focused on stories, real stories of... um, you know, some uh, great guys, but, you know, which is ordinary people. Um, uh, It's about honest, authentic, warts and all stories that I hope will help you in your journey um, uh, within your marriages as they grow. Um, When we first got together to plan this session, individually and um, as partners, a theme started to emerge, and hopefully that will be clear to you as we proceed. So, I'm going to introduce now Ben and Nancy, who are going to come up, who are the first. We've got, so we've got three marriages of (laughs) different vintages. And this is the youthful vintage. This is the not long in the bottle (laughs) vintage. You know, the fresh, frescati marriage. (laughs) There we go. So, um... I was going to introduce them, but they said they want to introduce themselves because it's part of what they say. So, without further ado, over to Ben and Nancy.
Hi, afternoon guys, hope you're doing well. So my name's Ben Martin, I'm children and youth pastor at Welcome Church. Uh, so I oversee everything from zero to students. So it's uh, just the volunteers that I oversee, it's like 150 people and I couldn't tell you what that means in children and young people. But it's a very, very busy role. And I think we, um, we came to be part of this seminar because we're looking at different aspects of life, di people in different walks of life. And uh, my wife and I are very, very busy. Nancy will tell you what she does in a minute. So that's what we wanted to bring you today is how we do, how we work our marriage when life is very, very busy. Cool, hello. So my name is Nancy Martin, I'm married to him. Um, I'm a political consultant up in London, so I commute from Woking up to London every day. Um, and also I'm a recently elected councillor onto Woking Borough Council. Um, so that's who I am. Um, so we've been married for five years, as has been said. Um, in that time, life has changed loads. In the first seven months of being married, we moved house nine times, house sitting different people around Woking. We counted up, we've had six job changes between us, five of those are me, but I can hold down a job, I promise. Um, and essentially, um, our current commitments mean, not to say with the point, but we are at full capacity, we would say, as a couple. Our life is brilliant and we love it, um, but our challenge has been our inability to get into a routine over the years. We're in more of one now. Um, but it's an ever-changing one and being flexible in that. Great. The first thing I want to make, as I say, we're, we're just talking, we're sharing stories of what works for us. There's not like, this is how you do your marriage and you'll be fine. It's just, this is what's worked for us and how we can uh, get the best out of our marriage and get time together with the way that our lives is. The first thing I'm going to talk about is communication and organization. Now, this is probably the overarching theme through our whole marriage and everything we want to say goes back to communication and organization. Now, they say the opposites attract, but Nancy and I are equally terrible at organization. Uh, so this is what we've had to do is we've had to put some structures in place to help us. And so it's not something that comes naturally. Um, and so one thing that I, uh, uh, I find is that, you know, life is a constant bombardment of information. Some is just for me and some things I need to uh, communicate with Nancy. So I try and do that as quickly as possible because I'm likely to forget. There's been lots of occasions where uh, Nancy's like, oh, I didn't know such and such was pregnant. I was like, yeah, I, I knew that two weeks ago. Sorry, I forgot to tell you that. And I get in trouble when things like that happen. Uh, so I try and share communication with Nancy as, as soon as possible. So I'll just send her a quick text. At my desk at work, I can send her an email. So I know if I forget about that later, I've already communicated it. So it's just a small thing, but it's something that really helps. I know that Nancy has got the information straight away. I'm not in trouble later. Um, another thing that we do is because life is hectic and things come our way all the time, we find that forward planning is really, really important. So in January, we'll sit down together and we will try and plan time together for the year. So we'll look at... it. it halfway through the year, around summertime with New Day and West Point and all that sort of thing, when can we get two weeks of holiday just together? And we'll stick that in, approximate time for that. Then a weekend away early on in the year and a weekend away in the, uh, the back of the year. Uh, so we know that we've got that carved out. And then we try and look at what Saturdays can we carve out just for us and get them in the diary. So we try and do that right at the beginning of the year. Now... Of course, this is penciled in. Uh, there is no way, because things just come your way all the time, but it's a principle that we really try to work to, and we found that that's really helpful. Things will come, and we'll plan a Saturday, and then we realize friends are getting married, and we've got to move that, uh, and these things happen all the time, and sometimes 
you know, you'll go a month and we won't have that Saturday together, but we try and work towards that as best as possible. We find forward planning in that really helps. Yes, the other thing that we found is really, really helpful is we have linked our diaries. So we've got our diaries on our phones uh, and they are linked. This is a lifesaver, guys. If you can do this and you can link your diaries. We've got this little saying in our marriage that if it's not in the diary, it ain't happening. Uh, so there's been a number of times where I'll say, oh, no, we, we can't do that that day. I'm doing this thing. Nancy's like, wasn't in the diary, ain't happening, uh, which gets me into trouble a lot of the time. So again, it's like if something's happening, I need to get that in the diary straight away. Uh, so Nancy knows what's going on, but it also helps in like if Nancy's like, oh, Ben's got a meeting that night, that's a good night for me to stay late at work and get some stuff finished because I'm not going to be missing time with him. So communication and organization. Thank you. Cool. So uh, our second point that we wanted to talk about was about streamlining our life and what that's meant to us. Um, we've found it really helpful to take a step back as a team, kind of trying to do it together, and saying what are the pressure points in our marriage and what can we do to relieve them. And we completely appreciate that that is very different for different people at different phases of your life. So one very small example is that we used to have terrapins. They are little turtles that live in a tank. Um, and we decided that we were too busy to be responsible pet owners at this point in our life. So we humanely passed them on. We did not put them in the canal. That is a false rumor. Do not believe it. Um, the other thing is that um, when I... Uh, was elected, um, was fortunate that there's some money attached to that. Um, so we decided, um, even though it sounds very middle class, and it is, but what we did was uh, to put some of that towards getting ourselves a cleaner so we could protect our time so that we don't spend a, a kind of a very precious Saturday together deep cleaning our bathroom, and that's made a big difference for us. Um, and also we will try and plan ahead our food and I will do some batch cooking on a Sunday and sometimes we'll open the fridge and there's only moldy lettuce and that happens too um, and that's why you always have lots of things in the freezer. Um, but yeah, the point on that, this streamlining point is just what can you do as a couple to look at where are the pressure points, what are the things that get you stressed and what can you do as a team to relieve those. Okay, point number three for us is what I've called fighting functionality and I'm sure that... Uh, we've all been there that sometimes life can get so hectic and so busy that your uh, relationship just becomes about functionality, the exchange of information and getting stuff done. Uh, and we've, there's been, over the last five years, there's been a couple of times when that's kind of crept in. So it's what it's things that we've put in place to kind of fight against that. Um, one of the things is that, you know, as well as us talking about how we try and set these times out uh, throughout the year, we always try and get a weekly date night. Now, to be honest with you, this is probably the thing that is the most challenging thing that we find because we'll start the week on a Monday with a free diary and by Tuesday, the next rest of the month is full. Uh, and that's just how our lives work. So it's, it's really, really challenging. But we find that when we do have a weekly date night or as close to weekly as we possibly can, we, we try and get out of the house because we find that if we're in the house, I'll, I'll just tidy the kitchen or just sort this out. Well, actually, if we get out of the house, then we just focus completely on one another. And we find that that's really precious and important time. So it's something that we've recently, we've not got so good at. And we're working on getting that back in. Life is challenging um, doing that. Another thing that we found is that I mean, life is just the way that sometimes you... You get to the end of your day and you haven't completed anything. You've got to go home and have dinner, but there is still work to do. And that's sometimes you've got to send some emails. There's a message like, we need to sort this out for kids' work on Sunday or whatever it might be. And Nancy will still have some 
uh, emails to do. So sometimes that's got to happen, but we just kind of let each other, I've just got to get this done, and then we can move on from that. And I think what we get to a point of an evening where we say, right, we're just going to put our phones on the other side of the room. <laughs> so we're millennials. Uh, so we just cannot get distracted. So we can at least just focus, even just half an hour before bed, let's just focus on one another. And we just find, you know, constant pings and emails coming through. Actually, no, I'm going to leave that, and we're just going to focus on one another. So that's a couple of things to fight functionality in marriage. Awesome. So just to wrap up what we've been saying, we think it comes down to two things, which are, and as Robin said, they're not earth shattering, but hopefully it's a good reminder for you guys, um, communication and grace. Um, grace in understanding your spouse's situation, whatever that might mean. I might be saying, I've got a council meeting tonight, it's going to finish at half eight, and then I roll in at 11 and um, because it's massively overrun. Or Ben might have something happen at church where he's got to stay late and be there doing whatever it is he's doing. Um, and but by seeing our lives as a team effort, so it's not me working hard this way, you working hard that way, but we are together and I'm going to try and serve you in your thing and you serve me in my thing, um, then we think that's the key. And secondly, um, communication, because the better we communicate, the better we are that team. And that's from the practical, from if it's not in the diary, it's not happening, to the emotional, which is I only support you if I actually know what's going on, what's happening in your day, what's happening in your week. Um, so that's why we put communication there. So this has all been very practical, um, but we are at a Christian conference, so uh, it's going to hand over to Ben for one final Bible point. I got my Bible. We're okay, guys. We're okay. So I just want to, I mean, it's the obvious go-to in Ephesians 5 when talking about marriage, but I'm going to read it to you, and I'm just going to say very quickly what this means for me as a husband, and I just want to finish o- on that. So wives, submit to your husbands as, as your, uh, to your own husbands as you do the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, And Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hates his own body, but they feed and care for their own body just as Christ does the church. And that, looking at that verse and, and really focusing on it a bit, actually, I'm to love my wife as I love my own body, as I love, as I love my life. Actually, I want to be the best children and youth pastor I could possibly be. That's what I want for my life. And I want Nancy to be the best that she can be. And my role as a husband in loving her is to push her to be the best that she can be. So I've got to work against my own selfish nature, against my own nature to do what I want to do. But actually, I see my role as a husband in pushing Nancy forward. What do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? And how can I support you in those things? Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks. feel a bit breathless after that. (laughs) Could call it um, marriage at the speed of sound, but you could actually see from the sort of pace, this is is how these guys live their lives. And this is, um, I I think things do change, don't they? The culture, the way things are in life have changed very very, very much since since I was young. There just seems to be so much more going on 
uh, not least of which it's commonplace now as usual for both partners to be working full time and uh, that puts a big pressure on even with child um, with uh, with children so now the second sort of uh, no, actually but before I go, go into this I just want to say something else I was um, the first thing I said about the kingdom of heaven is that this is something which is happening, which is growing bit by bit, like the yeast in the flower, like the seed growing into a tree, uh, in practical, everyday ways. And we've heard some really good practical, everyday experiences from Ben and Nancy, from um, young couples. I was just saying I was uh, really challenged last night by Topi's talk, when he started to talk about the supernatural. And I, I don't know, I haven't prepared anything on this. It was just something which I was thinking, this is something to think through more about how we let the supernatural into our marriages. Um, I heard the term once being naturally supernatural and uh, how that happens in our marriages. I suppose it's a really small example of how God can work. Um, yesterday, myself and Anna were driving down here and she said, guess what my morning reading is? this morning John 15 and that wouldn't mean much to you but it means a lot to us because it was the um, the passage that was preached on at our wedding 36 years ago now that could just be coincidence I don't think it is and that's just a small example of how the supernatural can break into our lives um, the way that we pray for each other not just when we're sick but when we're well in every aspect of our lives seeing kingdom breakthrough um, from day to day in small natural ways um, which reflect the glory of God. I had time to do that because um, the second sort of mini teach is from Ephesians 5 21 to 33 so Ben's already read that so I'm not going to read that again which is good <laughs> which is fine. Um, I think actually they're words aren't, aren't they that are very familiar to us um, that passage. That's where we tend to start very often when we look for teaching on marriage um, within the Bible. Um, and for me, it's one of those, I don't know if you find this, you go over passages which are, are familiar and every time you come back to it, there's something new that God says and God brings out of it. And um, some, something which has really struck myself and Anna actually over the last um, few months we've been involved in um, doing some marriage prep for a lovely young couple and we've spent a lot of time in this um, this passage and the thing which comes out is that sort of Ben started to read where we tend to start to read that passage wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord but just before that is another verse, which says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's really a verse which sets the scene for Paul going on to talk about marriage, about children, about work, and about outreach. Um, but even before that, at the start of the chapter, Paul says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
Because the context of these words of Paul um, are obviously in the book of Ephesians, um, where through every part of that book, two core themes throb, well, they're more than that, but two which throb like a heartbeat through it um, are unity and grace. Um, so submission to each other out of reverence for Christ, what does that mean? Well, I, I, I don't think that is about obedience to Christ in response to some rules or instructions. It's about a joyful and willing response to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, going back to this um, couple helping through marriage prep, the first time we looked at this, this passage, uh, uh, the young man who comes from a church background, um, he said these words. He said something like, I need to be a husband who's worthy of my wife's respect. And I can understand the sentiment of that. Um, but the response really is, no, you don't. You know, I need to be a husband who's worthy of my wife's respect. No, you don't. Um, Paul tells us that we submit to each other out of reverence to Christ because he loved us and gave himself up for us. It's not because we deserve or earned it, but because of his grace. So we submit to Jesus joyfully because of his grace, not because of a list of instructions and, and demands. In the same way, we submit and love each other as husband and wife, not because we deserve it, but in response to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, does that make sense? That makes sense. Because if it was, if Anna loving me was dependent on me being a lovable person, I'm not sure how far I'd get. Because over the years, there's so many things that you think, how can, how can she still love me after I've done that? Um, in the same way, Anna submitting to me isn't because I'm some sort of paragon of virtue. No. Anna submits to me, and I love Anna, in reverence to Christ and his grace for us. Um, who, who here likes lists? Does anyone here gets lists made for them? Yes, lists of jobs, stuff like that. Okay. Nothing wrong with a good list. Nothing wrong. I'm the sort of person who writes lists and then, then forgets about, about the list, but it's just, just doing the list helps. Okay. How many of us, though, how many of us have lists of stuff in our lives, in our marriage, that we've got to do somehow to persuade our wife to love us and submit to us or to persuade our husband to love us? How many of us put on, not, not deliberately, but sometimes just inadvertently, a list of stuff, of standards that our husband or wife have to keep to? It's really easy for this to happen and to creep in because that's our nature. That's what we do. That's what living under law is. But actually, we've been saved by grace. We've been set free. Freely, freely, we've received. Freely, give. We've received grace from Jesus. If, it was, if our salvation 
was dependent on what we did, we'd be in a lot of trouble, wouldn't we? Yeah, same way, if the way husbands love their wives and wives submit to their husbands is dependent on the other half, we'd be in a lot of trouble as well. You know, what happens when you start with grace and you're loving your wife, submitting to your husband freely because of the grace that you have received? Um, it's, it's just a source of real breakthrough in our lives and in our marriages. It's a source of breakthrough in any uh, relationship, to be honest, and particularly our own personal relationship with God. But in our marriage, we start from a position of grace. And actually, in response to grace, what's the response to grace? Response to law is, I'm doing this out of obedience. You know, response to grace is, I'm doing this because I just l- want to do it. just love to do it. I'm going to throw everything into this. Paul wrote to Titus, it's the grace of God that teaches us to say no. It's the grace of God. Um, not getting, it's not just about not getting what you, you deserve. It's about getting what you don't deserve, is grace. Sorry, a little bit off script script there. But um, let's um, introduce you now to Eugene and Jody. Um, really looking forward to these two guys coming up and doing it. <laughs> Married for 11 years, four children. Probably a sort of a young Burgundy of a marriage here. <laughs> you can tell that I like wine. I'll um, hand you over. Thank you. As Robin mentioned, my name's Eugene, and this is my wonderful wife, Jody, and we've been married for 11 years. Wouldn't you agree life on itself is difficult, never mind marriage? Isn't it wonderful that we have a loving God that guides us through both life and marriage? When I first got asked to speak, I thought, why not? You know, how hard can this marriage thing be after all? (laughs) However, both Jody and I would agree when we started preparing for it, we both realized that we are not equipped to give anybody advice on marriage. So that's exactly what we're not going to do today. We are, however, going to share with you some of our experiences of what has been helpful in our marriage. First thing is praying together. Very early into our marriage, we started a business. So not were we just dealing with the pressures of being newlyweds, but also the added pressure of running a business. Looking back now, I can see how God clearly used this to bring us closer as we spent a lot of time praying together for the business. We soon learned to pray together, and as we did, God joined our circle of marriage. We would often go away and pray about important things separately, coming together to reaffirm what God said to us both, praying separately. We knew that when we came together that this is God speaking to the two of us about it. When we didn't agree, we knew that we had more praying to do. It's amazing now how often I thought to myself, well, Jody's got more praying to do. We used this as our formula, knowing that when God spoke to us separately about things, we were on the right path. Did we always stick to it? Well, no. I remember this time when work got really busy and we needed another project manager. I knew somebody and I thought, well, I'll offer him the job. 
up until this point, we'd always prayed about our marriage. And my wife gently reminded me, maybe I should pray about it. And I thought to myself, what is there to pray about? I've got the work, I need this person, and I've got the person. So off I went and I started the project manager. I started him on the Wednesday and by the Friday, all the work that we had secured had fallen through. So I was left with a project manager and nowhere to put him. Needless to say, now I pray about all of my managers. Words and actions. A very wise person once told me, be careful what you say during an argument. Today I'm married to that wise person. <laughs> words can definitely be harmful, and it takes time to regain the trust and for those words to disappear, even though someone has forgiven you. Early in our marriage, I thought, I am the head of the house and what I say goes. Maybe that was the South African me. However, I soon realized that respect is not demanded. It is earned. And it was, it was only through the things that I did that I saw Jody earn that respect for me. Love. The Bible says love is the greatest gift of all, and I must agree. I experienced this one day. I recall Jody and I having an argument. She was upset with me, and in my head I was probably more upset with her. The silence proceeded, and I thought to myself, well, I will outlast her with a silence this time. Then suddenly my wife turned from being really angry to being really incredibly loving and caring towards me. As I saw her soften her heart and the anger changed to love, it melted me. Have you ever tried being upset with someone when they're being really loving? It's incredibly difficult. Jody had a choice that day. She could remain angry or she could show me love. By putting aside her own anger and loving me, she demonstrated to me what love was. It was not self-serving. She laid down her own feelings for me and it melted me. I'm going to pass on to Jody now to share a very similar moment in our life when God spoke to her about laying down her own desires yet again. Jody is really good at this and it is amazing how much it affects me. <laughs> Thank you. Eugene and I had been happily married for six years when I fell pregnant for the third time. Early in the pregnancy, Eugene came to me and he said, Jody, I've been praying and I really feel like God is telling me we're going to have twins. I remember looking at Eugene and I said, no, Eugene, God wouldn't do that to our marriage. <laughs> well, God did do that to our marriage and only a few weeks later, it was confirmed we were having twins. It wasn't that Eugene was a bad father or husband. In fact, Eugene was and is a brilliant father, a great provider, and a fun and loyal husband. I had no doubt that Eugene loved me. It's just that he wasn't loving me in the way I needed to be loved. Looking back, I can see that this comment came out of a place of resentment for what I craved from Eugene was love worked out in a practical sense, which for me meant more help with the children, especially on weekends. <laughs> At 32 weeks pregnant, we decided to head to France for one last family holiday before the twins arrived. With soon to be four children under the age of five, I knew that life was going to change dramatically. And with a long drive ahead of us and no escape route for Eugene, 
I thought to myself, now is the perfect time to tell Eugene all the things he didn't do and all the things he would need to do when the twins arrived. Needless to say, that conversation did not go very well and an uncomfortable silence filled the car. God knew we needed help that day and he intervened. And what happened next would change the way we now do marriage. As I sat there in the silence, I could feel God softening my heart towards Eugene. And instead of telling him all the things he would need to do when the twins arrived, I asked him one simple question. How can I help you become the best husband and father you can be? Have you ever had your wife ask you a question like that? Well, you think to yourself, no matter what you say, this is not going to end very well. <laughs> However, in the heat of the moment, yet again, Jodie turned from her own anger and thoughts to wanting to know what she could do to make me a better me. And trust me, I needed it. We started talking about the things I needed to help me be a better person. As we spoke about it, I, thought, I found my thoughts changing from thinking about what I could do to help Jodie be a better wife or mother. As I saw her wanting to lay down her life to help me, it made me want to do the same for her. We came up with a game plan for, that worked for us. My needs have always been simple. I need some time to go out cycling so that I can forget about my week and just come come back on a weekend and just be there for the family. Jodie, her, her needs have been more from a practical help with helping with the kids over the weekend. Some of the examples of what we did were, we arranged for a babysitter to come around on Saturday morning so that we could go off, we could do our own things, we could have our own time. But what actually happened is we started meeting up for lunch after that and it was such quality time. We had both had our own time away, but then we met up together and it was really just quality time. The second thing we did is I committed to finishing work early on a Thursday so that I could help bath and put the kids to bed, just to give Jody a break from the normal routine. I took the rain Sunday morning for making sure the kids were ready for Sunday school. Now, this is something I was really, really bad at. I would lie in bed, wait for my wife to go downstairs. She'd get all the kids ready. I would come downstairs, I'd make myself a cup of coffee. I'd look at the kids, see they were ready, look at my wife and say, are you not ready yet? What's taking so long? <laughs> I always thought being a good husband was providing for my wife. However, through the above question and actions of Jody putting aside her own needs, I came to realize what an important question this is. And when we focus on our partner instead of ourselves, we really do lay down our own life as Christ did and understand more what our partner's needs are and how we can help them with their needs. Although seasons of life may change, the simple fact remains. When we ask each other, how can, you, how can we help you be a better husband, wife, friend, we really do put us down our own desires and focus on our partner. Submission between equals is submission by choice and not by force. 
Well, I'm happy to report that the twins were one of the best things to happen to our marriage because it taught us to look not only to our own needs but to the needs of each other. When the twins were younger, I'd wrap them up, bundle them into the car and head to the Surrey Hills for a walk. This outing soon became my escape and my quiet place with God. While walking the trails, we'd often pass horse riders. And one particular day, as we passed another horse and rider, I quietly asked God, Please, Lord, can I ride in the Surrey Hills one day? A year and a half later, we were back in the hills. This time, the twins had graduated to balance bikes, and we decided we'd take them to the, to the top of Pitch Hill. After much encouraging, pushing, and bribing, we made it to the top. And as we stood about chatting, I noticed a lady on her horse. While Eugene watched the children, I went over and started chatting to her. We chatted for a little while, and as I was about to leave, she said to me, Do you like horses? I said, Yes, very much. I grew up riding in Australia. And then she said to me, Would you like to ride? Because I have another horse that needs some exercise. A week later, I was riding in the Surrey Hills, completely undone by God's love. I couldn't believe that the God of all creation had taken a tiny dream of mine and made it a reality. What I didn't realize at the time was that through this experience and others, God was teaching me to love my husband in a new way. A few months later, I was reading a book written by a Christian man who'd been married for many years, and he decided that he was going to ask his wife a question. And that question was, what would make you happy? He didn't want the typical Christian answer. He wanted to know what would make her happy. As she said, she had always dreamt of owning her own horse. And this is what he said. I often sit on my porch and watch her ride her horses, and I just cry. I love to think that I was able to do something for her that makes her come alive. There is something powerful about engaging and loving people at their point of passion instead of our own. My only regret is that I didn't do this earlier in our marriage. This story moved me to tears because I realized that I had never really loved Eugene the way that God had loved me. I had never really loved him at his point of passion. Sure, we had dreamt together and made plans to together as a family, but I had never asked him, what would make you happy? What are your dreams and how can we make them happen? Well, there are many reasons why I fell in love with Eugene. And one of those reasons is because he is a man of simple needs. And that, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. And that day I discovered that a new carbon fiber mountain bike was at the top of Eugene's wish list. Now I must admit that my first thought was, really? Because sometimes it's hard to see the importance in something that we don't value. But I have learned that it's not about what I value, it's about what Eugene values and what's important to him. Last year, the opportunity arose for me to travel to Zimbabwe for two weeks. Now, I love to travel. It is one of my passions. But my immediate response was, it's impossible, I cannot go. I need to take the children to school. There are uniforms to wash, mouths to feed. The list is endless. Endless. 
And when I told Eugene all the reasons why I couldn't go, I expected him to agree with me, but he didn't. He said that it could work, that he would take the children to school, that he would help them with their homework. He even promised me he would brush their teeth. <laughs> I knew that those two weeks were not going to be easy for Eugene, but he willingly sacrificed his time to release me to go to Zimbabwe and enjoy all that God had in store for me there. We have learned that it's not the extravagance of the gift that's important. It's the unconditional act of love that says your dreams and passions are important to me. It's the laying down of our own life for our spouses. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it. Thank you. I'll hand you over to Robin. One thing I'll say, actually, we have, myself and Anna, have enjoyed so much spending time with, uh, with these guys. Um, you know, if anyone thinks that some, uh, a couple have been married for 36 years are the ones who are going to teach the ones who have been married for five years and 11 years, it's not, it's great. We just got so much out of listening and learning from these guys, and uh, thank you very much. That's, uh, it, was, it was great. It was, uh, it was really, and I'd really recommend if there's anyone here been married for a long, long time, um, try, and, try and seek out that type of, uh, of relationship because you'd be really good for each other, I'm sure. Okay, time for you to do a bit of work now. Bit of reflecting. As I say, if, you're, if your spouse isn't here, um, try and remember one of the people who stood up near the start and um, try and grab some time with them if you can. Um, I just want, want you to um, just think... Um, just a couple of simple questions, I guess. Um, an easy one is just talk to each other about well, what struck you, what struck me so far from, from what you've heard. It's a good one. Uh, the s second one is, uh, I think, the, the question uh, that uh, Jody asked Eugene uh, is a really good, good one. How, how can I help you um, to become the best sort of husband, father, person that you can be? Just, and just just ask that as a question try it and see what happens so give you five minutes or so do you want to do that and just to each other and just see how that goes
Okay. It's a good com conversation to um, continue later. Sorry to break in on it now, but there's some really great questions. You know, what's, what's your dream? Trying to find out what the dream is of your partner, the passion is of your your partner. We said, uh, Anna was just saying, saying to me, it's been great spending time with uh, Eugene and, and Jody because now Anna can have a horse and I can have a new bike. So, so. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what they said, wasn't it? That's, that's good. Okay. The thing, the theme I hope, which is starting to come, come out here, is the importance that in our marriage, it's about, it's about your spouse, it's about your husband, it's about your wife not primarily about you your passion your love your submission it's about your partner out of reverence to Christ and the grace of Christ it's about really real practical outworking of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in our marriages from day to day and that really is kingdom living that really is growing the kingdom of God that really us being uh, lights on a hill um, lamps on a lampstand. Um, when we talked, um, when we read through through Ephesians, um, and um, <laughs> if it's an age thing, I've forgotten his name. Ben said, <laughs> "Stop laughing." <laughs> um, Ben said, Ben actually re really brought out the verse about um, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And that sort of re reminds me of another passage in Scripture that Jesus talked about that I'm sure we all know really, really well. Um, when the expert in the law came to Jesus and tested him with the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Um, at, the, you know, at the heart of every thriving marriage... Fundamentally, there's um, an awareness. There's an awareness of God. There's an awareness of yourself. And there's an awareness of your partner. Love God with all your heart. Strengthen all your mind. Um, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So what we've been talking about, about understanding um, what the dreams are of our partners what our own passions and dreams are, um, understanding how we can help make our partner a better wife or husband or person, all these things, this, this, is, this is exactly what Jesus was getting at, the sense of what Jesus was getting at when he was talking about love. He was talking, there are three bits here in love. There's love for God, um, and there's love for your, your neighbor um, as you love yourself. The three elements of um of of love and and this is god's um take on love and that's why love really is all we need so i knew i'd be able to get that in at some stage <laughs> which is good <laughs> um but it's just it's, it's it's such an important thing for us to get hold of because jesus said all the law and the prophets 
hang on these commands. Well, you know, a successful marriage, a kingdom marriage, a marriage which is shining out the glory of God hangs on us loving God, receiving his love, knowing that we are loved by him and the grace in his life, and then actually having received that grace, giving, freely giving that grace to our partners in the practical ways that we've been uh, talking about uh, this afternoon. So it really does all hang together. All this stuff in the Bible, it's all aligned, it's all supporting each other. We shouldn't be too too surprised about, about that. Okay, so now I get to introduce my definitely my better half is Anna, and is <laughs> I still <laughs> I'm going to embarrass Anna now. I still, <laughs> you know, when Anna <laughs> when Anna comes into a room and I see her, I still have to pinch myself that I'm married to this wonderful. Lady, <laughs> and you're all thinking, yeah, we're amazed too. <laughs> I know, but we've we've been married for 36 years. Um, have four children. Two of our daughters here at the front. I won't embarrass them to get them to stand up. One one of which did this really clever artwork on the cards that Anna's going to talk to you about. And we have nine grandchildren. You know, God has really blessed us. Um, and uh, well, that's enough. I'm going to give time to Anna uh, just to talk about uh, something to uh, bring things together. Thank you. There was a challenge that they were going to try and make me cry before the end of the seminar, but it hasn't worked. So, <laughs> um, so I'm going to introduce you to a book. I'm sure a lot of you here have come across this book, um, but for those of you have, who haven't, um, it's written by a man called Gary Chapman um, and it has sold over 11 million copies in English and has been translated into 49 other languages. The author believes that there are five ways that we express and experience love and those five ways are receiving gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service and physical touch. I'm just going to repeat those. That's receiving gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. And that each one of us will have a primary love language. So one of those will be the way we show love the most. Um, His theory is that people tend to naturally show love to others the way that they like to receive love themselves and that he believes that relationships are made better if you can understand the love language of your partner and express your love to them in the way that they prefer to be loved. So we've been talking this morning, or this afternoon, um, about preferring your partner and putting them first. And it's going to be much easier for us to do that if we understand how they need to feel loved. A few years ago, A girlfriend told me that she didn't feel that her husband loved her. And when I asked her why she felt like that, she said, he never tells me he loves me or tells me that I look nice. Now, I know that this lady, um, she works shifts 
And when she did a twilight shift, which meant that she got home at two in the morning, her husband would run her a bath, put candles in the bathroom, and make her a hot chocolate. But she still didn't feel loved. It wouldn't have mattered how many nice, kind deeds that man did for her, she still wouldn't have felt loved. Because I would guess that her husband's love language was acts of service and that hers was words of affirmation. One of the things that I've observed when I help people whose marriages are going through tough times is that quite often a couple will come believing that their marriage or their relationship is completely broken. And after speaking to them for a little while, you realize, or I realize, that actually they still love each other very much, but they haven't understood how their partner needs to be loved. They haven't understood the way that that person needs them to show them that, that they're loved. And once they understand that aspect of giving love and begin to put that in action, often their marriages are restored. Sometimes it's not easy to understand how your partner needs to be loved. When Robin and I first came across the love languages, um, when you do it, you do a questionnaire and it tells you at the end of the questionnaire which your preferred love language was. Is And Robin's was um, words of affirmation. Now, I would imagine you can tell. He's quite a confident person. He's been very successful at a lot of things. And, oof, he's, oof, he's a wasp. And um, <laughs> I might cry. <laughs> I'm a wafter here. Yeah. And, um, and he is very capable. So it had never really occurred to me that I needed to affirm him to make him feel loved, because I felt he was affirmed enough already. Um, but actually, that was very important to him. And I had to learn how to do that regularly, to make sure that he was feeling that I loved him. So if you've never read this book, I would really, really recommend it. It's such a good book. And I, even if you have read it, I would say pick it up, read it again, and chat about how you're doing. I read it on holiday. Um, in, I reread it as preparation for this seminar and it was really good for Robin and I to talk about it afterwards so that I could tell him all the ways that he needed to improve obviously <laughs> anyway now it's time for you to get involved again um, and what I would like you to do first of all is um, uh, what do I want you to do I want you to write on a piece of paper if you have one what you think your love language is and what you think your partner's love language is. And then swap bits of paper and compare notes and see whether you've got it right. If your partner's not here, then perhaps you could just write what you think and then get them to do it when you get back and then you could compare notes at a, at a later time. Secondly, actually I'll tell you both at once, when you've done that, um, there's a little card on your... What did you do with the card that was here? You got it. Your little yes, that little card. Thank you. Um, if you write on here, if you're the lady, write on the lady's side, what love is for you. So what would love look like? So for me, I might write, love is a back scratch. Because 
my love language is quality time, and I love it if Robin just sits scratching my back. Um, so that's an example. Um, so if you do that, and then give your partner this postcard, because that will be a constant reminder for them of how you like to feel loved. Does that make sense? Yes? Okay. Thank you. You'd have noticed that on, on the reverse of the 1 Corinthians 13, you got the summary of the five love languages, if you can't remember them. If anyone needs a pen, we've got some spare ones here at the front. So We'll give you about 10 minutes for this, this one.
Have you started writing on your little cards yet? I'd encourage you to write some, something on, on, on your little cards. Have you written anything on your little cards yet? For for those of you who've um, sort of got all this love language stuff sussed and written up your cards and things, um, just just try with the um, you know the one Corinthians thir- thirteen love is patient love is kind. We started with I am patient I am kind. Just turn to your spouse and each to each of you um, say it. You are patient. You are kind. Okay. Just just see that this is just just something and. An in in an indication of the shift from me to you. Okay, saw lots of chatter going on. I don't like cutting across, but I just, I just wanted to bring things to a close. Now, myself and Anna just did the um, you are patient, you are kind, which, because my love language is words of affirmation, um, was very important for me. 
I found it improved for Anna when I scratched her back at the same time. <laughs> okay, so just to sum up, um, what you've heard of this afternoon through the Bible, um, the slow but relentless growth of the kingdom of God through our marriages. Every day, these small steps, these small things um, that we're doing, um, showing grace to each other, means that our marriages really are world changing. You might not feel your marriage is world changing, uh, but I believe the Bible tells us that our marriages are world changing. Um, we read about submitting to each other out of reverence for Christ, um, being motivated by his selfless grace. And if you just see the examples from the stories of uh, what happens when we, um, when we prefer, as Anna put when we prefer our partner, when we look to the interests of our uh, partners. You know, it's um, Philippians 2 where Paul talks about um, looking to the interests of others above yourself. And um, no more is that more important than in our marriages. And the, r the release there is in getting rid of those lists that we put on ourselves of I need to be like this or you need to be like this. Uh, I really do believe there's a real release to be have there as we step out of law and into grace um, in the context of our marriages. And um, how the greatest commandment really sums it all up. Everything hangs from that. I mean that um, God loves us, we love God, um, we know his grace in our lives so we can love our neighbour. Who is our neighbour in the context today? It's your husband, it's your wife. Um, the stories show the practical examples of that. Anna's um, sharing on the love languages is a really practical, it's so simple um, but it can be really life-changing, marriage-changing as you work through um, uh, that, um, uh, that book and um, that approach. And in fact, we actually do have a book here. It was, um, we wanted, we just check first of all that Anna didn't have her marks on me in there, but, so that's okay. But um, we'd like to give this book away. And I could say, first one at the front, but I won't, I won't say that. Has anyone got an anniversary this week? Wedding anniversary this week. No one gets married in August. Ah, oh, there's one at the back. Ah, oh, there we go. Come on. There we go. There we go. So, um, just finally... I don't want to be patronising here, please see me here, but I just really encourage you as a, a suggestion for a good next step. It's really easy to go to seminars, make notes, talk about stuff, start conversations, but actually what's really important is how we follow it up. You know, Jesus talked about those who listened, you know, pe people who hear, and the difference between hearing and listening, and someone who listens is someone who actually puts into practice what, what they hear. And... Uh, I just encourage you, get something in the diary, even if it's just an hour, hour, hour and a half, and say, actually, that's going to be specifically to go back over what we heard, and was there anything there which really struck us that we can really build on? 
Um, certainly for those who are here um, and their partners aren't here, um, you've got the exercise of going back and sharing with your partner what was said, which will probably be a lot easier for the ladies here. The men will get back and ask what was said and will look blankly and because their wives will expect every detail. But, but no, I, I just really encourage you. Do you, get, you get my spirit here. It's just let's, let's get something practical in the diary. Um, thanks very much to the team, everyone here. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I'm just going to close in prayer before you go out and get soaked. <laughs> Father, thank you so much that you've been with us here today and thank you for the gift of marriage. Um, this is your idea um, and it's such a big part um, of you bringing unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. And I just want to commit each of us here in our marriages. Uh, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower them, empower each of us to, um, to really love and submit to each other, always remembering that it's in response to the wonderful grace that you've shown us in our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we love you, and we just so want to learn how we can love our partners more and more, helping them to become um, more and more reflecting your glory as they become the best people, husbands, fathers that they can be. Thank you, Lord. Amen.